Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to Iveam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. Iveam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> we are back with episode five of the Plus Size Podcast. Yeah. And here we have our lovely co-host, Kat Carter, Junior Trot. How are you? Yay, fantastic. <laughs> Can't so forget about today. the AT alien back oh, there. Yes, yes. Introduce him. Alien. That's Why is right. there a stuffed alien behind me? You're yeah. on Atlanta. AT alien. <laughs> So today we do not have a guest from the community, although we did in our last episode where we talked about genetic obesity. And um, Kat and I both have struggled with genetic obesity. And we have Dr. Daniel Rosen that's going to be joining us. And we will have him, I want to say in the hot seat, but let's face it, I showed him the questions first. So he's fine. <laughs> it's warm seat. It's toasty. You <laughs> so, sign the disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just do the disclaimer because Kat's reminding me already. So yeah. we are not medical professionals. I mean, we are, Dr. Rosen is, but we are not. Um, do not take this as medical advice. The only medical advice I will ever say is to go talk to your doctor because now you can. And we're going to give you all the you know information that you need to feel really strong about advocating for yourself and getting the care that you need and that you deserve. So we're going to talk about that. But if you're new to the plus sides and you haven't seen one of our shows yet, the goal of this podcast is to bring education and advocacy around obesity. We want to elevate the conversation of something that people don't really talk about very much, which is why our title is uh, Fat and Lazy Debunking Stereotypes. I know that can probably hit a little weird for some people, but the truth is, is that just because you are overweight or obese, it does not mean that you are lazy. And there are plenty of things that we can say to back that up. There are plenty of people that are obese that exercise a lot. We have one with us on our show today. Um, Kat, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you for those who maybe you're just joining and just learning about you. And then Janine, if you want to say, Hey, too, that'd be cool. And then we'll invite in our guests. How's that sound? We're good. Been- no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, my name is Kat. I'm a Libra. I like long walks on the sand. And, <laughs> and... <laughs> you such a ham. Long walks on the uh, on sandy beach. I don't. I just, just made me. Th- you think of yeah. I'm a Libra. I like pina coladas. Yeah. You know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Walks in the rain. Walks yes. in the rain. Okay. So rain. that just went left. Um, (laughs) you know, as far as I can remember, I've always been, what did my mom call it? Chubby. Um, yeah, it was always, always, always chubby. Um, I, I, there's a lot of environmental factors that I think really helped create this eating disorder that I struggled with all of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I do think there is definitely some genetics involved, um, Mm -hmm. just with my family, parents, um, the rest of my family, we were, although the rest of my siblings were all very slim except for me. Um, but my parents were heavy. So, yeah. um, but I was always in sports. I swam, I did basketball, volleyball. I threw shot put. Um, yeah. so, um, 
and in addition to like your your daily practices, like I would just you know I I worked out especially like in high school, um, but um, and then college rolled around. I didn't follow I didn't follow sports after um, school high school, but you know I've always always loved fitness. I um, I think sometimes it turned into a little bit like purging where you overexercise and you work out like three times a day. I yeah. did fall into that um, once in a while. Uh, but you know, I got certified to teach Zumba for a while there. Um, and then COVID, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to do it anymore. And then COVID. <laughs> um, I ran a half marathon. Um, I just like being active, uh, right now. Spin is my jam, my cycle bar, East Cobb. Um, I just banged my desk. Cool. I'm so excited. Hashtag recycle bar, East Cobb. Yeah, recycle bar. <laughs> um, it's just, it's mental health. I, a lot yeah. of it is is mental health now. I have been in employing therapy. And um, so that yeah. is a requirement, you know, yeah. and I gladly do it. So, but yeah, I still struggled with the binging. Um, yeah. Still, I started taking uh, Manjaro. It, I didn't say it, it does not, didn't turn everything off. Um, yeah. But the obsession really has yeah. gone away. Yeah. And like I said, the obsession thing diet is big. culture. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And and coming up with my mother that was obsessed with my weight, I think more yeah. than I was. So, mm. well, I will say, and I don't, you know, I don't like to tell people how they should feel, um, but I think you're a phenomenal human, like in all the ways. And I think oh, you're a complete you. badass. And you know, I, yeah. I know you went through a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but like how you have turned out is fantastic. And of course, a lot of that is a testament to you, you know, and what you've been able to overcome. So, like, I just want to say that because I did. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. And I was, you know. Yeah. Um, so Janine is also a host on the show. <laughs> so hey. Janine, do you want to do a quick intro so people know who you are in case this is the first oh, time they're tuning quick. in? <laughs> really quick. Because well, okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> oh gosh. That's okay. Great. Look. Look. Oh gosh. Come um, on. People like this stuff. <laughs> we look. We will keep keep this really quick because I can't wait to get to Dr. Rosen. Yeah. I'm Bernine. I'm um, let me see. I'm a Virgo, and the world needs us. And the world, you know, Rosen's a Virgo it. too. <laughs> and the world needs us. Beyonce's a Virgo, so uh, there is that. Uh, I am a type two diabetic. I am. Uh, I was obese, but you know what? I really don't like to say I was obese because I feel that it's, it's because obesity is a chronic disease. It's a chronic, I don't want to say struggle, but it's a chronic challenge. So, um, because I'm now on Mount Jaro, it does help me to regulate my A1C and also to help manage, uh, my obesity. So, uh, I've, been on Mount Jaro for three months. It's a life changer. Um, and I just, you know, I'm just so glad to be here to educate and to advocate for all of those that need this medication and GLP ones period. Well, we're so happy to have you. That's for sure. And your perspective is really important. Even though we do not, you know, Kat and I have not, we do not have type two diabetes yet. The whole goal is the yet. Right. You so don't having, yeah. <laughs> I know we don't like, yeah. you don't want it. So, yeah. I, you know, and 
I and I applaud you all for taking your health yeah. so seriously because I'm genetically predisposed to yeah. type two diabetes. And I always tell people, and I think you've heard me say this, Kim and Kat, that being being a diabetic is not a flex. You know, (laughs) it isn't, you know, something that you walk around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a diabetic. It's like, (laughs) no, No. (laughs) it is not fun. No. Yeah. But uh, at least with GLP ones and it has just changed my life and helped me manage my life better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. I mean, it's helping your A1C. It's helping you get your weight under control. Mm-hmm. You need some fabulous new friends, you know, because we are well, born from the TikTok community for those again who are just joining. So that's how we all became. Well, Kat and I were friends first, but we became right. Cat, Cat, and Kim were friends first, and they were so kind. And this just is just a testament of the TikTok GLP one community. It's, it's so fantastic. inviting. Yeah. It is so supportive, and yep. it's just. A special place. And I am just ecstatic. I'm just glad that I just stepped out on faith and made my first TikTok video. I had to Google how to do that. And Kim was one of the first content creators that I started to follow. And I was just scouring uh, social media and the internet, just trying to find information on these drugs and on this medication that I was now on. And it's been such a life saver. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you here. Thanks for coming and being our friend and doing the show with us. Oh, look, without further ado, I would like to another friend. I know another friend, Daniel Rosen. I'm going to invite him in. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Rosen. How are you? Hey, friend of the show. Fellow Virgo. Hey, another Virgo. (laughs) Wow. I am outnumbered. Look, I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) Hey, Virgo, Virgo. Virgo. <laughs> we're, we're totally unpredictable. <laughs> Completely. Dr. Rosen, Janine, Beyonce, you know, you're in good company. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, so we have lots to talk about today in your nice warm seat, you know, because I'm not going to like throw anything crazy at you. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I, I, I've had a patient day today. Today was a non operative day. Nice. I, I've been talking to patients about GLP 1s. I've been talking oh. to them about how, you know, they don't have to say things like, I know I could be trying harder yeah. because it's so ingrained in them that mm-hmm. just giving their normal effort yeah. is like substandard because yeah. it's beaten into them. They have to give this superhuman effort all the time. Yes. Yeah. You it's know, so true. I've, I've been rolling yeah. all day. Yeah. Great. So this will be yes. a nice transition. I like it. So I like that. Yeah. Lots about you, but our audience may not. So can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, what you're about? Sure. My name is Daniel Rosen. Um, I've been a weight loss surgeon and doctor for 15 years now. And I'm board certified surgeon practicing in New York City. Um, surgically, my practice is split 50-50 between bariatric surgery and complex hernia surgery. It's all done minimally invasive, which means with cameras laparoscopically or robotically. I don't do any like big cuts, put my hands in there and move stuff around. It's all like tiny little instruments where I'm like controlling stuff. And and then my medical practice is, is mostly, you know, involved with GLP-1 
um, weight loss medication, which has just blown up yeah. in the last, you know, 18 months or yeah, less. Yeah. So well, that's awesome. Well, I think your perspective is really important today, especially as we talk about something around like stereotypings with fat and lazy. Um, we know that this is a very, uh, <laughs> interesting <laughs> title <laughs> for an episode. Um, but for all people that know me, I I'm doing it because I'm trying to get attention for us. So well, every obese person has, if they haven't heard it, they've felt yeah. it. A hundred percent. Felt it's the not judgment both. of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, I think um, I think something that I would like to talk about with you today too is so background wise, and I are listening on this probably from the first episode where I went over my story. I had lap band in two thousand seven. I lost like 80 pounds or so, and I kept it off for quite a while. Um, I had a couple miscarriages and then eventually had my son. And then once I was in my mid thirties, nothing was moving anymore. Like just <laughs> nothing. It just failed. Um, I mean, I am glad that I did it. I still feel like it was successful for the amount of time probably it would have been. Um, but eventually I think genetics are just wearing out and, you know, hormones are wearing out. And, and so I started taking Ozempic and I've lost almost 60 pounds uh, since July of last year. And I have completely changed my life. Like I, I exercise, I, I eat what I call well-rounded nutrition. I focus on fuel first. And if I want to have an Oreo, I'm going to eat an Oreo and I'm okay with that. I just don't need a sleeve of Oreos. I just eat one, you know, <laughs> and like, it's okay. You know, <laughs> maybe two. All right. I might be fibbing a little, maybe two Oreos, but I do. And so that's sort of like um, a background that I have, but like, I didn't know and that lap bands, that so many lap bands failed because I wasn't researching about it. I didn't want to talk about it. And no way was I going to go to my doctor and go, hey, doctor, I have a binge eating disorder and I have a lap band. Like the amount of shame and embarrassment that came to that for me was just not something that I could do. But my weight spoke for itself when I went and my lab work wasn't great either. So at that point, she was like, let's talk about some things, you know, and that was when GLP ones came up and I'm glad they did because I was terrified to start, but it has for sure changed my life. I mean, just what it's done for my brain, like the, the food noise, the, not just food noise. It turns out it was really noisy in there, like a lot, like about everything all the time. Like I would unwind my day in my head. I would worry about things that I had no control over constantly obsessively. And it just went like this turned off that fast. So that's been incredible for me, but I would love to know, I, I like how GLP ones in general, like how do they really work, you know, and how are they like, or unlike, you know, bariatric surgery. And there's of course a few, so you can explain that to us. That would be great. Besides the obvious, you know, Besides <laughs> sure. thanks Kat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, GLP ones are amazing. Yeah. And they are a paradigm shift, game-changing medication. Whatever superlatives you want to throw out on there are, for the most part, appropriate. And the way they work is really innovative. Um, GLP-1 is a hormone that your body makes. It's made at the end of your intestines. And you have to think of your GI tract as constantly sending information to your brain. You know, it might be sending something like, I'm really distended and I'm filled with air. And that may show up as like a cramping sensation, right? Mm -hmm. But the cramping sensation is created in your brain based mm -hmm. on signaling coming from your intestines, okay? And then your brain is making you aware of that. 
because it's sort of unusual and painful. But it's always sending information to your brain constantly. You know, is the stomach empty? Is the stomach stretched? Um, as the nutrients move down the intestine, those parts of the intestines where the nutrients show up are sending signals. Hey, there's food here. Hey, there's no food here. Send more food down. That makes you, that may manifest as hunger. So you're constantly getting signals from your GI tract, both neural through what's called your vagus nerve mm -hmm. and hormonal, where the cells release hormones into your bloodstream, which circulate to your brain. And the end of your intestines have a special cells that create that produce GLP-1. And the GLP-1 hormone, when it reaches your brain, makes you feel very full. Okay. Um, high GLP-1s would be associated with that feeling at the end of Thanksgiving dinner, when you're like, you have to push yourself away from the table, when you're like feeling the food in here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> But He's pointing at his neck, listening audience. <laughs> yeah. There's no food in your right. neck. There's no food in your chest. The esophagus isn't filled up with food. But what's happened is food has reached the end of the intestines. And the intestines don't want you to lose nutrients. And they can only process things at a certain capacity. So when you've overwhelmed the system, meaning food is making it to the very end and still isn't fully processed, that those sensors can pick up that you have fats and proteins that haven't been broken down and absorbed yet. And they will be at risk of being pushed into the colon and lost, lost forever, which for your body's perspective, evolutionarily would be a disaster because when will the next meal come? Yeah. Is the famine around the corner? Mm. You know, the body evolutionarily has no idea that there are bodegas on every corner and, and, liquid drinks filled with calories like in nature there was just yeah. water that was so you can't even um pick out the calorie content of a liquid because for a million years it was always zero so the yeah. body evolved to pick up how much calories is in a liquid so the glp you know the the notion of losing nutrients into the colon is a disaster and the body will do anything to stop the input once food has reached the end so GLP-1 creates this tremendous satiety signal or a fullness signal in your brain. So these GLP-1 medications, when you inject it, it stimulates the release of that hormone from that part of the intestine, even though there's no food there. Yeah. So you're tricked, your brain is tricked into thinking you just ate a huge meal, even though you haven't eaten anything. Yeah. And that's that, awesome. that, that makes you... Um, full, yeah. even though you haven't eaten, you're not even like not hungry. You're like, I don't, I'm not interested in food. I'm not thinking about food on your, the day after your injection, it might be five o'clock before you even realize that you haven't eaten anything because yeah. you don't have any hunger signaling or trigger, yeah. triggering. Um, and you also may have, you know, some studies are starting to show and certainly reports from patients who are on the medications, all of those added benefits. After you eat a full meal, you may not worry about what's going on. You just may feel satisfied and good. Yeah. You know? And that can be the decrease in food chatter that people talk about, the yeah. decrease in anxiety, a, a calmness that they experience on this medication. All of those sort of ancillary benefits that people are reporting um, yeah. 
typically because of GLP-1. Now let's talk about weight loss surgery, okay? okay? Talk about a band. A band is a mechanical roadblock, okay? It's a device that's wrapped around the very top portion of the stomach and creates a holdup of food. And as the food goes up in the esophagus, it creates discomfort and you stop eating because you don't want to vomit. It's sort of a negative feedback inhibition. Yes. You know, behavioral modification to not eat so much because you don't want to vomit and you don't want to feel the pain of having the food build up above the band. It's really works mechanically. And one of the main reasons it fails so often is how counterproductive it is hormonally, right? And Kim, you will probably be able to speak on this, but I'm sure there were times where you ate a certain amount, you were very hungry, you ate a certain amount, you filled up that space right above the band. You knew you couldn't eat more. Yes. Mechanically, but you yes. weren't satisfied. No. That that deep hunger was still there. Yes. Yes. That is 100% what it was like. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I think eventually my stomach, the non-banded part, kind of started getting smaller and smaller because I was eating less and less. Um, but there's also a pretty a, a way to kind of defeat the band, which is you drink when you eat. Right. Right. And and a lot of people do that because I found I wasn't getting enough water. I was constantly dehydrated. So, I mean, like I ha I would drink when I would eat just to try to get it in. And just that to would sort push of the food lubricate through. the system. That's yes. one of the things with weight loss surgery patients we tell them not to do. Yeah. Because we don't want them to lubricate the system. We want the food to build up. We want them to feel full. And you're asking like the body to not satisfy itself. And yes. if there's a way for it to get those nutrients that it wants, it's going to do whatever it can. It's going to convince you to drink when you eat. It's going to push you to ice cream, you know, yeah. or cheese, which yes. is very soft, you know, cereal. that will go down, go down yeah. the band, you know, cereal and milk, which is almost like cake when it gets yeah. soft. You know, if you think about a sugar cereal with milk and yes. the hormonal effect of a band, think about it. Is food really ever getting to the end of that intestine? You're eating right. less mechanically, but it's going to be absorbed at the same rate because your intestines haven't really been changed. Yeah. And your stomach makes ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone that we don't often talk about because there isn't yet any medication that suppresses it to help mm -hmm. with weight loss. But when the band's in place and you lose weight, it's just like losing weight with a restrictive diet your ghrelin goes up, and so you're hungrier. So your hormones are working to defeat the band in most cases. Yeah. A gastric bypass or a sleeve have significantly different hormonal impacts than a band. And I'm sure that this wasn't all spelled out for you. No, I was 27. And that's... <laughs> okay. They may have spelled it out, but I wasn't listening because I was 27. Right. I was like, oh, really? I'm getting this like, and insurance is paying for it. It's going to make me lose 100 pounds. Awesome. You know, like, you know. You know but you were you that. thinking ban, ban, ban all the way in or were you led by your doctor? I mean, I basically went in and just, I mean, I think banned. I, I had seen um, an episode of Oprah where um, there was a girl that was very young, like who had gotten lap band and she was talking about it. And I thought, oh, my God, like maybe that would help me. Oh, my God. Like, because I've been binge eating mm -hmm. since I was eight. You know, right. so I that's I, I went in going like, I don't want to have gastric bypass and keep in mind there was no like sleeve or anything like that in 2007. You know, so I went in and I was like, 
this is what I want to do and my insurance will pay for it. And like, you know, and they, they were like, yeah, like it's a thousand times safer. Let's do it. And I was like, oh, cause I was really young. I didn't want right. to, you know, put myself and I also wanted to have a child and I was concerned of what that would be like, you know, and they would, they were, the band was very much like positioned to me as it can be removed. It can be removed. Like right. I can't give you your stomach back if I take it away, but like I can, you know, that's how they would say it. But it nobody, but no. And, and that's, that's all like standard lingo by a doctor who wants you to get a band, you know, yeah. especially a doctor who only does bands. Yeah. You know, I do bands, sleeves, bypasses, revisions. So yeah. I can offer whatever's appropriate for the patient. I'm not pushing them specifically to a one procedure that I do. Yeah. And the reversibility argument doesn't really hold because you have a chronic disease. Yeah. You don't want an intervention for a chronic disease that's reversible. You want something yeah. that's reproducible, effective, with a low complication profile. No one yeah. says like, I have stomach cancer, cut my stomach out, but I want it to be reversible. Right. No totally. one wants their cancer back. Yeah. And it's the same thing. But to sell reversibility was like a way to push a band. Now, yeah. look at a sleeve. A sleeve cuts off most of your stomach and leaves you with a banana shaped sleeve, like the sleeve of my shirt, right? A hollow tube that's thin and narrow. That's what your stomach becomes. It's not a device that's like a long plastic sleeve. It's just your stomach, but it's shaped like a hollow tube that's like mm -hmm. a banana. And by cutting off three quarters of the stomach, your ghrelin, which is made by the stomach, it's a hormone mm -hmm. made by the stomach to stimulate eating, goes to the floor. And therefore people say like, I surgically removed their appetite. They're not interested in food. They're not thinking about food. And because the mechanical function of the stomach is so much less, food is less broken down and in the intestines, gets further down. So even though you haven't operated on the intestines, when you get a sleeve, your GLP-1 levels go up mm. because the food is less mechanically broken down. So it makes it much further in the intestines, stimulating oh, wow. those hormone release from the end of the intestines. A gastric bypass goes even further. It takes a, your stomach and staples off a small little pouch the size of an egg and then takes your intestines and connects it at like the midway point of your intestine. So the food goes straight from that little pouch with minimal breakdown right into the like 50 yard line of your intestine or even the yeah. 30 yard line of your intestine. And, and that's going to really stimulate the end of your intestines or the hind gut to um, release GLP-1. And that's how. Oh, no, we lost you. We had everything uh -oh. going so great. It's oh, okay. no, no. We lost you, Doc. Am I there? We can hear, can you. hear you. That's fine. You can hear me? Can hear All right, we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. There you go. There he is. Okay, I'm back. So Ooh, I like it. it was by trying to figure out how gastric bypass was so effective in doing what? Curing diabetes that led to the revolution of GLP-1s. Because uh -huh. what they saw was people who got gastric bypass they were able to come off their insulin completely wow. before they even left the hospital. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it clearly wasn't weight loss. Something else was going on that yeah. allowed diabetics to come off their medications. I and had heard that. And wow. so by reverse engineering and doing studies 
of the hormone changes in the GI tract after gastric bypass compared to yeah. before gastric bypass, that's where they came to this understanding of GLP-1s for diabetes. And that's why all the GLP-1 medications, Bietta, Victoza, you know, they all come out as diabetes medication. Yeah. And I saw early on that these medications had effectiveness with weight loss. Yeah. But it didn't really click as something to do with non-diabetics. Yeah. But but clearly the data was there and that was capitalized by um by Nova Nordisk when they rebranded Ozempic as Wagovi. Yeah. Oh, good segue. (laughs) That's That's fascinating. So like in tech marketing, as you all know, I don't work in healthcare, um, but I'm a tech marketer and we call things reverse engineering a lot when we're like taking things and breaking them down. Is it kind of like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they got GLP-1 meds by reverse engineering the hormonal changes in a gastric bypass. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. And now look what's happening. Yeah, it really makes me think about that. Like, um, is it was it really physical or is it mental? Like, um, the compulsion to binge has definitely subsided for me. Mm -hmm. But that is that's interesting because you know for years you know doctors would what is it the um, give you ADHD drugs or anxiety medication, but that's you're seeing things kind of blur, like lines are getting blurred with that. Oh yeah. And and there, we know there's overlap because we know that ADHD medications that are stimulants cause some degree of weight loss. Now that's working on a different brain mechanism in the hypothalamus than the GLP-1 medications. But it stands to reason that people on GLP-1s you know, who experience less anxiety, maybe there's a role for those medications strictly for anxiety. And I have patients who have come seeing me who need to lose five to 10 pounds, but have heard about the anti-anxiety effect of these medications and are asking me to put them on the meds. Yeah. And for the right yeah. patients, I think it's a reasonable application. Wow. Interesting. And there's studies about it. The, the impact with anxiety is about five times more than with depression it's really quite compelling with anxiety as a medication for depression, the jury's out. And we obviously need a lot more studies before any of this can be, you know, yeah. rolled out as primary treatment. But if you're obese and anxious, it's like potentially killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I, I have to say, and, and wow. like you said, there's still a lot to be, I think, learned and discovered with this. But when I was in college, I was diagnosed as bipolar. I went to a doctor and said, hey, I'm having like these crazy mood swings. And sometimes I'm, you know, I'm, and I went and said it just like this. Sometimes I'm manic. Sometimes, I, you know, I, and they're like, oh, yeah, it sounds like you're bipolar. And they put me on Depakote. And Depakote made me gain 100 pounds. Like yeah. That. And I'm not really sure I am bipolar. I mean, maybe I'm both. I don't know. But all I know is I don't have to take an anti. I never, I mean, like I, I would, they put me on an anti, like Wellbutrin and a bunch of different things to start with, but I, I kind of really never needed them. I think like also once my weight got better, I felt like, you know, like mood wise, I got better and have like swings and stuff anymore. But like another good point, I think to being able to prescribe things off label, if they had prescribed Lamictal for me off label, which just doesn't have that intense weight, weight gain, then maybe I would not even be here right now. <laughs> like, you know, but I'm not sure because honestly, now that I'm on these medications and not just with the waist, this is before I was losing weight. 
when my noise went off and I say noise because it was all the things kind of everything just felt evened out, you know, and I just didn't have those problems anymore, you know, and I can't help but wonder, was it all related? You know, just in the way that we find out, found out that, you know, how closely related the biological dysfunction, if you will, you know, of type two diabetes and obesity are related. You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think there are plenty of studies about that. But yeah. it's like you said, I mean, this there have been studies to show that it's improved things that, you know, improve people who had anxiety. So I'm super curious. I, I can't wait to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, the, the studies are going to just be fast and furious for the GLP. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Makes you think of like hormones too. You mentioned like hormones is what helps regulate hunger and things like that. Maybe it could be even like a bigger problem. Maybe um, because I know I'm on thyroid medication. It makes me think like it could. Yep, a lot of bleeding into each other. So that's yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, pun intended. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to your hormones. Don't tell my husband that. So just well, it all comes down to your brain. (laughs) Oh Yeah. yeah. Don't they say that the gut is like the second brain? Don't they say that? Yeah, they do. Whoever they, they is. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, right. it is me. I am the one that says it. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, they say you feel things in it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Interesting. Yeah. Like trusting your gut. That's a big thing for me. I have a gut, yeah. you know, and all the ways okay. that you can have one, you know, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kat, I think you had a question. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there was a common misconception. We were just talking about how, um, with, with the title fat and lazy, um, that the, I know (laughs) the misconception is that, um, if we're going to, for those, um, for those of us who are taking the GLP one medication, I am taking Manjaro, um, is that it's cruise control. And that we know that's definitely not the case. You still definitely have to work at it, um, incorporating the fitness and diet. Um, but for those of us in the obesity community or those who are looking to maybe make that journey or approach this with their medical provider, um, do you have any sort of tools or things that um, would be that I could, that our listeners could put in their toolkit when they're approaching, let's say, insurance or their providers? For Getting oh, approved for, for Manjaro? Getting approved for Manjaro, GLP-1s, uh, anything, anything like that. Well, obviously, it's difficult because yeah. as backwards mm-hmm. as society is when it comes to looking at obese patients, it's influenced doctors, you know, in terms of yeah. how they treat obese patients. And it's influenced insurance companies in terms oh, of yeah. getting approval for obesity services. Take surgery, for example. I would never have to spend more than five minutes to get someone approved for a surgery on their stomach, like anti-reflux surgery. If someone has bad heartburn, I can just basically write a note that says the patient has clinical symptoms of heartburn. Maybe I do an endoscopy and get some biopsies and submit that. And they would be approved. But if I wanted to do a sleeve on their stomach because their BMI is 45, you know, they're 120 pounds overweight, all of a sudden they need the patient needs to undergo six months of medically supervised visits before yeah. their surgery will be approved. They need a site clearance 
before their surgery is approved. Wow. Because insurance companies treat obese patients different than they treat non-obese patients. They treat, they don't treat obesity in the same way as as a biological disease. For them, it's, they need to show that six months to prove some sort of level of commitment as Mm -hmm. if the obese patient who's gained 120 pounds has proved that they're not committed. Right, right. Whereas if they're coming for a surgery, they've probably done 50 diets that have failed. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. You know? Indeed. (laughs) And it's just epidemic. Yeah. In insurance companies and doctors. Mm -hmm. I had someone write me on TikTok who was a nurse who says, when she goes to her doctor, she can engage in things on like a medical level where the doctor seems to respect her and, and and acknowledge her level of expertise by being a nurse and being in the healthcare community. But when she approached him about GLP-1 medications, all of a sudden the doctor suggested that she keep a six-week food journal and count calories. Yeah. 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 And that gets a little bit patronizing to me, like, cause I've, I've yeah. been through that. Right. And so that's, that's how I feel, but keep, keep yeah. going. <laughs> so with regard to getting insurance authorization, it's difficult because some insurance companies have a complete, you know, we don't cover weight loss services. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, other ones, you know, will only approve medications if you're diabetic. Some will approve it if you're pre-diabetic and some will approve weight loss medications like Wagovi and it's a crapshoot. So you really have to understand what Mm. insurance you have specifically. You have to look for exclusions um, to the benefits that are like in the fine print, but a doctor who's motivated to get you the medication is the first step because without that, you'll never get a pre-authorization. So you have to go to like an obesity literate doctor. You know, that's, that's the first step towards getting authorization for medications. Yeah. So that's the first step, everybody. Yeah. yeah, it makes makes perfect if sense. If you're dealing with a doctor yeah. who's dismissive, that's a major red flag. That's not mm-hmm. someone who's going to go to the mat to try and get you these medications because they probably right. don't even believe you need them. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I think that's super true because like I and I like I didn't even really know to ask. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I I legit I had just given up. I, I really had. I I was at the point where I was like. Like how, I'm, I'm just going to be like super vulnerable. How pathetic am I? Is what I would think to myself constantly. That I've had weight loss surgery, that I lost 80 pounds, that I kept it off for a long time, that I, you know, I had, yeah, sure. Like I had miscarriages and I had a kid and all of those different things. But none pathetic. of that counts, right? None of that counts. Yeah. No, no, none of it did. And Mm-mm. I also had like this, how could I, I was so successful in so many, you know, successful, like in so many other areas of my life. Like I had a strong career. I have amazing friends, you know, I have a fantastic family, you know, I'm, I'm a mom. Like I, I have, I have such a full good life, but somehow, somehow none of it mattered because I couldn't control my food. Do you know? And like that, I'm sorry to get upset. But that for me was so sad. And so eventually I was just like, well, I guess this is it. And there was no way I was going to proactively say anything, you know? So 
I, I hate for people to even think that way, but like something that happened with me when I started taking the medicine is I was the opposite of cat in terms of exercise. I, I was actually quite active in high school, but it was because like I was on the color guard dance team flag people. Uh, and I had a good time doing that. That was kind of my thing. Um, and I played like little sports and stuff like that. I was active, but I still was always obese. I was still large. I still always had, you know, I was always plus size, you know, but um, as time went on, you know, say less and less activity and less interest in activity, more weight gain, you know, but now that I take these medications, you know how people always talk about like endorphins and exercise or these endorphins, endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't kill their husbands, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I, I, I never felt that. And when anybody would tell me to take a walk, cause I was anxious, I wanted to punch them in the face. <laughs> like I didn't get it, but I actually feel that now. I feel those endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> a walk with I mean, just a little cat. I get it. <laughs> Did she say walk. kill her husband? <laughs> no. But I, I, I walk, a walk, not kill your husband. <laughs> no. Like I'm staying out of that conversation, <laughs> Dr. Rosen. You didn't have the tools, Kim. Yeah. You know? Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to Ivim, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iBeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. You didn't have the tools to feel it, and these medications for some people function as that tool. It it unlocks that capability because yeah. that was hidden by so much noise and so, much, so much hunger. Yes. And that's individual and that's part of the disease. Yeah. And that's genetic, biologic, physical. It's all those things, but it's not laziness and it's not a yeah. weakness of will and it's not a mm -hmm. failure of, um, self-control yeah it's not any of that if you take an obese person and you take a normal weight person and you put them in front of salads and pizza the distribution of people who will go for the salad first and versus the pizza is probably going to be the same across both yeah. populations if you if 100%. you if you give an unlimited buffet to an obese person and a normal weight person the amount of calories consumed by each will probably even out to be the same. Now, wow. the obese person might retain more of those calories. The obese mm -hmm. person might have a quicker rebound in their hunger drive after a certain amount of calories, but that's yeah. all, you know, m m hormonal and yeah. genetic. The obese person might run at a lower metabolism and therefore retain weight eating the same number of calories as a normal weight person. But none of that has any, you know, there's no control. There's no um, conscious control over those mechanisms. So in order to counteract them, the re recommendation is some sort of superhuman level of restraint. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Yeah. Or dexatrim. I'm just kidding. That's just trim. awful. Yeah. yeah. Awful, That's like cool. just I'm having PTSD yeah. today. <laughs> Ma Wang, did you hear about uh Bethany Frankel and oh, Ma you, Wang? No, you called her Dr. Bethany Frankel. <laughs> I mean, she's she's parading as one. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an epic like, one. Cosplay we were all sort of one. trying to debunk that whole like nosempic BS. If y'all ain't seen it, Google because it's there. Because if it ain't there anymore, somebody's do it or done something with it. The internet is here. yeah and amazing all at the same time, you know. But she was saying like a lot about that, right? And she said just, I mean, like talking about people's personality being changed and it must be the ozempic and all this different stuff. I was just like. Good Lord, what a ding dong. Like, if you hole. have a platform like that, don't go run your mouth like that. Unless you say, like, hey, like, this is my opinion and I'm not really sure. And even that, if you have a plus size brand clothing, don't talk bad about the people that buy your shit. Like, like you know, right, Kat? She sells plus size. I bought one of her sweatsuits like a couple years ago. No way. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, there was, it was hella flattering, but we're getting off topic. It was a really are nice we, sweatsuit. Are we? This is Dr. Frankel. <laughs> she sells topic. sweatsuits. Dr. Frankel. <laughs> skinny yep. girl? Dr. Skinny girl? It was skinny yeah. girl sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that like such an oxymoron? You, your brand is skinny girl, but you make plus size clothing. Odd. Like, I don't yeah. think it was plus size. Like, it was just like it was available in plus. It was size inclusive. That's yeah. Oh, oh. as a marketing person, I find Look, that very. Oh, very <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, well, it, it's it, and with her, I don't even want to say her name. With her, yeah. they <laughs> all of that, and with. You know, a person like me who's a member of both communities, I, you know, some sometimes it's difficult because, you know, you have the obesity community, you have the diabetic community, but these GLP-1 drugs are working so well for both communities, which it's really almost one. Why do you think that the GLP-1s are working so well? Well, and I think you kind of answered it, but for diabetics as opposed to just insulin and, or metformin? And why do you think it's working so well oh, yeah. for those that are? Yeah. Um, I think, I think it works great for diabetes because it primes insulin release. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it does. And for a diabetic, a type two diabetic, you're often resistant to insulin, meaning yeah. it takes extra high levels of insulin to stimulate all of those mechanisms that you need to process calories. And the calories go from your food, from your gut into your blood. And if you're consuming sugar or carbohydrates, that's going to raise the sugar in your blood. That's why you do finger sticks and check your blood sugar. And if you're resistant to insulin, then it takes a lot of extra insulin to get that sugar out of your blood and into your cells where it belongs and can sort of power the metabolic activity of those cells. So anything that increases insulin is good. And especially if it can be increased endogenously, meaning within your body, instead of exogenously outside your body, like insulin injection. So the fact that this hormone can prime your GI tract to promote internal insulin release helps you control your blood sugar tremendously. And they're finding that, you know, insulin is also a very profound fullness hormone. Mm. Think about why it works, right? Your body gets in a lot of food. Uh Uh-oh, 
we got to metabolize all this stuff. We got carbohydrates in here. We got fats and the bile and the pancreas work to sort of send out enzymes that break that stuff down. And then it's getting further down into the GI tract, smaller and smaller bits, constituent parts. And then it starts getting extracted by that intestine into your bloodstream. Now we got fats and we got lit, we got glucose and carbohydrates circulating the blood and it's got to get from your blood into the cells. And while all this is happening, you don't want a lot more food coming in until you've gotten that, those nutrients out of the blood and into the cells. Mm. So the insulin that makes you, the insulin that makes you um, metabolize that food and draw those um, carbohydrates and sugars into the cell also tells your brain to make you feel less hungry so that you're not putting more into the system until the blood sugar goes down because it's all in the cell. And when your blood sugar goes down, that triggers hunger. So low blood sugar triggers hunger. So it's like this scale that kind of is constantly in movement. And so because GLP-1 stimulates insulin release, and because a non-diabetic person is not insulin resistant, they are sensitive to insulin, yeah. more sensitive mm-hmm. than a diabetic. The mm-hmm. weight loss in a non-diabetic is more profound mm-hmm. with these GLP-1s than in a Amazing. diabetic. Wow. Wow. And I'm so glad that you answered that because I knew it takes diabetics longer to lose weight than it does for non-diabetics. So, you know, when you see all of these, you know, oh, I lost six pounds this week. I'm like, crazy. I gained. I never lose that much. Look, I gained 1.8 and that's a true story. I actually weighed myself yesterday and I gained 1.8 pounds, (laughs) but I'm like, oh, but, (laughs) but now that makes sense. Right. If you look at the weight loss data from the medication that it came out, it's surprisingly low compared to what we see with non-diabetic patients because all that data was generated with diabetic patients. Right. Interesting. Yes. Yes. And that's what I was um, telling someone was that you have to remember that the, 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 that the trials were with diabetic patients. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, information that you're going to get. And again, I'm not saying, oh, diabetics are all that. It's just that that is what the trials were for. These and- medications have really put a rift in the communities. Yes. Yes, Woo! they have. And Look, Woo! I feel like it wasn't as bad until the shortages. But then when the shortages happened, then people started getting pissed and the rift started. I mean, you put a yeah. shortage of anything in any community and it's yeah. going to tribalize yeah. that community. Yeah. We saw that with the toilet paper in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so true. Yeah. true. <laughs> Toilet paper, Manjaro, and I didn't hear it as much with Ozempic, but Manjaro, it was just like, and it's like, whoa, you know. Oh no, it happened. Lay off my, lay off my Manjaro. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. My look, my Manjaro. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So does that medication have yeah. your name on the patent? Oh, okay, great. But yeah. um, <laughs> but, but it, Dr- it, it, it is an off-label application, and that needs yeah. to be acknowledged, that it's an yes. off-label use of a medication 
that's been FDA approved for diabetics. That doesn't mean that it's like only for diabetics. That just means that the FDA has approved its use for diabetics. Now, what if you're just a little diabetic, but really, really obese? Who gets the prep? Who gets that Manjaro? You know, if, it, yeah, if it's right. just there's one pen and two people, you know, yeah. are we going to do comparative suffering of diseases? Like my disease yeah. is worse than your disease. Yeah. Thank you. And I think it's very, Thank you. I think the whole point is though, is that people don't look at obesity as a disease, at least like the gen, gen pop, you know, like they just, they don't look at it that way. You know, right. it's, they don't wreck. And I mean, I even explained even to the you, diabetic. like no one ever said that to me. No one ever said, you suffer from obesity. Did you know that it's a chronic disease? Like, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I just thought I was pathetic. Like, I really just did. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a slow climb to yeah. educate the population. Yeah. But we got to keep nice fighting that fight. Yeah. yeah we got to see the climb starting. Like, it's. I see it. Yeah. Starting. And we're at the I base of the mountain. We're maybe a little. We're, yeah. we're like, you know, maybe the base is here and we're maybe like right here. We're on but, the hiking trail, right? Yeah. All the people that can't. At least we're not on the base. Yeah. <laughs> where, where are we? Because we keep going. <laughs> we're here and then we're here and then we're but, here. <laughs> we need a we're, we're on the mountain. We're uh, on the mountain. We, you know what? We, we are on the mountain. And I just wanted to ask in terms of the WHO, the World Health Organization. I know that that was really big news uh, about them recommending GLP-1s for, you know, as an essential medication. What are your thoughts about that? And how do you think that that decision or that recommendation will shift the narrative for obesity? I think it's really profound. I, I think most people don't appreciate how profound it is because if you look at the medications on that WHO list of essential medications, Mm -hmm. most of it is for deficiencies. Like iodine is an essential medication to prevent thyroid goiter, you know? So vitamin C is an essential medication to prevent scurvy. You know, it's it's all about how, and it's it's really focused on a very colonialistic Western yeah. medicine view of third world countries. Frankly. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the first medication that's like pointing at the first world countries and the first world problems, because the fact is that many more patients in the world, many more people in the world suffer from this overabundance then, you know, diseases related to overabundance, then diseases related from a lack of resources. Yeah. And, and so this yeah. is the first medication that's been recommended that focuses in on that, that, rec- that recognizes obesity as a worldwide problem yeah. and diabetes yeah. as a worldwide problem. And it speaks to how effective these medications are. Yeah. They didn't yeah. recommend metformin as a, you know, <laughs> as an essential medication. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they recommended liraglutide, which is, you know, yeah. Victoza and Sexenda. I started on those medica- medication. It was wonderful. Yeah. That was a great GLP one. It doesn't get enough attention <laughs> because I mean, that one, they say that one's going to go generic sooner, right. Rather than right. the other ones. Cause it's been around a long time, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So 
I think people should know about that because if, if you can't afford one, it is, I mean, it may not work for everybody. And I had to move it kind of slowly on the dose, but at three milligrams of that medication, my food noise was gone. That was my first experience with it. It really is a very good medication. Yeah. Yeah. My experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're actually hearing more people now taking, you know, uh, Victoza and, and lyroglutides because yes. of insurance issues right. that, they can't get the terzepatide or may, or even sometimes semaglutide. So yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times. So Dr. Rosen, my last question, uh, fellow Virgo is, <laughs> is how, um, with the weight loss success from GLP ones, do you believe in there's now a school of thought of saying that there may need to be a layered approach to weight loss because these GLP ones can only take you so far. And if you have a certain weight loss goal that you may need something else in addition to the GLP ones, what are your thoughts on that? I think a holistic approach is great. Um, I think with every patient who's on a GLP one, if you want to get as far as you can on that medication, a commitment to putting the right things into your body from a food perspective, is really important. Mm-hmm. Exercising as much as you can. I mean, it's old, but it's tried and true. And when delivered in a holistic approach with something else that will drive the needle, then it's very effective to help it be more successful. It does not work standalone to get rid of yeah. obesity. It might work to prevent obesity, but I do think there's a role. And I think that engaging with a healthcare professional like a nutritionist in that setting. And it has to yeah, be the sure. right nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It cannot be the nutritionist who, who, who says, you don't need those meds. Yeah. I have the answers. Yes. That's not who you want. You mm-hmm. want the nutritionist who understands how these meds work, who took and talked to you about like, okay, on the first two days of your injection, like you're not thinking about food at all. What can we get on you, get into your body that will drive your energy, you know, and make yeah. sure that you put healthy things into your body when you're not hungry. And, and can sort of guide you along yes. that route. I think that that can help you get more weight loss on a per week or a per month basis while yes. you're taking that medication. Um, same goes with exercise. I think that, you know, people are saying, is this going to replace bariatric surgery? I have patients mm-hmm. who I did a sleeve on one person and she said, my sister started terzepatide the same week I had my sleeve. Six months later, we're at the same weight. Wow. Yeah. Like that's unheard of. That's unheard of. And does that mean it's going to replace bariatric surgery? And I don't think it is. I I think that there's going to be patients who don't want to be on this medication or who have side effects from being on this medication, but are going to want the effect of that medication and they will be good candidates for surgery. I think there are going to be people who would prefer to have a surgical intervention than put a certain medication into their body for the rest of their life. I think yeah. there are going to be people who can't get all the way that they need to get that who need more mechanical restrictions Yeah. on okay. top of this medication. So there's a role for combo therapy in terms yeah. of surgery and medication. It's incredible for my patients who have lost a lot of weight and then regained weight to sort of yes. take them back the way to where they were. Um, it's very effective from that 
perspective. I think we're just learning on how, how to use these medications, how to approach maintenance when someone gets to their goal weight and to not be a doctor who like takes it away. And then Mm -hmm. the patient's left to fail. Yeah. The majority of patients will gain back the majority of their weight. Right. They're taking off these medications. Unfortunately, the body doesn't reset at a lower weight. You talked about how you gained weight during the difficult times in your life and being on those medications. Well, that allowed your body to to set at a new um, equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's where your body always wants to get back to. But when you lose weight, it doesn't set at that lower, healthier weight, unfortunately, because that's not how evolution mm-hmm. programmed us. Wow. <clears throat> that's fascinating. Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. so interesting. You know, speaking of like, I think, you know, you know, what this is like, you know, through Asia, through different times of my life. Right. So, I mentioned, so I'm a larger person. I'm tall. I'm large. It's a 10 pound baby. Like I'm just, my father's huge. He's just a giant man. Like, and, um, and I, and my whole, his whole side of the family is huge. My mom's average, you know? So I'm somewhere in the middle and, um, uh, they, I remember we, I, and I don't want to bust too much, but I had a cousin growing up and she would say, or we were trying to get her to eat. I was very young and she didn't want to eat. She just wanted to eat pureed stuff because she didn't enjoy eating. And she would say, none of us understood because we all like lived to eat, you know? And she was like, I, I eat to live. I just eat to live. I don't care if it's a puree or whatever. And she had to go through, we were little, you know, but she would go through therapy. And I remember like the adults talking that way. And so I think this kind of goes back to something that's kind of controversial right now, which is the fact that, for example, Wagovi, right, was approved to be able to treat children that are 12 years and up who struggle with obesity. Now, whatever those definitions are, I don't know. But it's something that's gone around a lot. And people have some pretty strong opinions there, um, because I know a lot of doctors have told us anyway, that treating obesity at a as soon as possible is, is going to have the best outcome health wise. And so I think this is, I mean, I look back and I think I'm glad that that wasn't in existence then. Cause I think it would have been hard as a kid for me to go, you know, I think I probably would have wanted to do it, but I don't necessarily think that was best for me, but I think everybody has differing opinions. And I, I think understanding the science of it would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's a controversial topic. Yes. You know, <laughs> especially in today's day and age, because on a totally unrelated topic, there's so much heat in the news about trans kids and and hormones for trans kids and surgical procedures for trans kids. And there's like an inevitable co-optation by people who don't want obese kids on these meds for some reason where they're equating them. And and it's, um, it's really not yeah. apples to apples at all. It's it's, right. it's completely unrelated, frankly. Yeah. But it bleeds in. So so you have people yeah. who say like, keep meds away from our kids, and and yeah. when the when the ruling by the NIH about the use of semaglutide for kids twelve and older came out, you saw immediately that sort of and mostly it was in conservative media and it's no coincidence that it was conservative media because it piggybacked that whole trans um, yeah. thing mm-hmm. where they yeah. were saying like, keep these meds away from our kids. Yeah. So I come in from it 
from a medical perspective. And I don't treat kids. I don't mm -hmm. operate on kids, but there are bariatric surgeons who do operate on kids, pediatric bariatric surgeons. Um, wow. Didn't even know that. Yes. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, totally appropriate indications for mm -hmm. pediatric bariatric surgery. Um, there's some diseases like Prader-Willi, which are genetic diseases that come with a hyperphagia, which mm -hmm. is hyper eating. Phagia is eating. And it, it's a central, um, centrally controlled hyperphagia. And these kids hit 300, 400 pounds before they're adults. Wow. Like you can yeah. be 10 years old. Like the treatment for parents with Prader-Willi is to put a padlock on the refrigerator. Oh my goodness. And that's an excellent application for a sleeve gastrectomy for patients. Mm. Um, and there, there's been growing pediatric bariatric surgery for a while, for the last 10 years. Wow. And now this brings into question, maybe we don't need to do a life-threatening surgery on a kid yeah. if they have access to these medications. Mm. And there can be health ramifications to being 100 pounds overweight when you're a teenager. Yeah. But I, I don't see that as nearly as evocative as the social ramifications. Yeah. And the ability to take someone who is not just socially an outcast, but is so physically limited in, in their interaction with their yeah. peers and giving them the opportunity of having a high school existence where they're not so marginalized. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and a college a really experience yeah. and how that can impact their emotional well-being for life. Yeah, that shouldn't be discounted. Yeah, and to not need to do it through surgery to have these medications available for a twelve-year-old, where it's been proven to be safe. Yeah, for that age group, it seems like it would be irresponsible to not consider it. Yeah, for yeah, for a kid to not appreciate those benefits, risks versus right. rewards. Well, and a lot of that is, is low, ignorance. You know, I like agree. He just mentioned, I mean, I, I didn't even know that. And I suffered with, you know, childhood obesity, you know, and I didn't even know that there was, so I think there's like, nobody, nobody talks about that. They hear this stuff in the news mm -hmm. and the news spins it as much as they can to fit their own agenda to further whatever they're wanting to do, you know, and nobody says, but did you know that there are these kids that suffer with this and this can help them in this way? And maybe we don't have to be like everything you just said, like nobody says that. Nobody says that. They're just like, oh, yeah. it's moms that are upset because, True. you know, their kids are 30 or 40 pounds overweight. Like, that's what people hear, you know? And it's it's not actually the case. But I think it's good, like, for you to say, let's just talk about it. Having a conversation with your doctor, whether it's about your child or yourself, should not be so taboo that you can't just say, what are options, you know? I think yeah. that's important for people listening, for yourself, for your children. You know, it's something to consider. It's a conversation having research and education to explore. You know, and patients need to be empowered. If yes. their doctors shut them down on this, yes, they need to not just find a new doctor, but mm -hmm. let that doctor know why they're finding a new doctor. Yes. If that doctor is spurred to get educated and to open their mind about how they view obesity, both as an adult disease and a childhood disease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you so yeah, much for coming today, Dr. Rosen. Thank you, Dr. Rosen. Great I education. had a great time. 
I love yeah, talking so about done. this stuff. I mean, well, it's a well, passion. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will have to have you back on for sure. Yeah. And I'm always talking about this stuff on social media. You know, yes. if you've Where seen my TikTok, you? oh, yeah. if you've seen yes. my Instagram, it's Dr. Daniel Rosen for all my handles. Yeah. Check out the content. Comment yes. me. I'm trying to respond to most things as long as they're reasonable. Yes. 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 He's got some <laughs> it's so entertaining. We love it. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is. Awesome. His, Go check his, him out. His content is entertaining and educational. So yes, definitely. Spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> exactly. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and thank we'll definitely you. have to have you back. So hang tight on that thank one. You. <laughs> okay. My pleasure. Time. Look forward to it. Bye. 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 All right. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, that was so great. Was Wasn't that it? not He's so funny. the yeah. best conversation, especially about childhood obesity? Like, did you guys even know that? Because I didn't, you know? And nobody wants to talk no, about I did it because not know. they have to constantly no. jump to the extreme because it's uncomfortable, yeah. right? And I don't know, that was wonderful. That was reaffirming, I think, a lot for, for me, too, with my surgery and then, like, what I dealt with. And then I think even with Kat, like, how she she exercises mm-hmm. like crazy. She's super healthy, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. you look at it from, like, that lens, kind you know? Of. Yeah. yeah. You all. No, say, kind of, I mean, listen to me. I'm discounting myself already. No, yeah, yeah that's true. But you all. I'm not going to let you do that. You don't let me get away with it. <laughs> you can see the emotion literally, yeah. like, running through you all because, Again, yeah. I don't want to overuse the word, but these are traumatic. No, you can. It, they are. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and I believe Dr. Rosen touched on a point and you did too, Kim, about how the conversation needs to be had, at least for childhood obesity, to give the child a chance. Yeah. And, and you're so I, right about that social emotional stuff. That's so important. Yeah. I recognize that. High school really kind of shapes your social adult life. High school. True. High school. You know, so I don't have children. Which are not true. Yeah. I don't know. But I get it. it. It's, I mean, I am sitting here almost mind blown because I can't even imagine if these drugs were available when we were in high school. Yeah. How would the trajectory of our emotional yeah. and psychological lives yeah. make If the change? science were, were around as well, you know, like yeah. if it were, because, all, you know, you, yeah, all of our lives would spend a moral failing, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, this, I, I'm a little sensitive about it because my mom yeah. stuck me with nutritionists all the time, you know, and I'm not going to get too deep, but. My yeah. mom found out I was yeah. purging and she sent yeah. me in with a nutritionist and a counselor. I'm not sure if that was mm-hmm. the best, but I'd imagine yeah. the science now available to your yeah. parents yeah. to be educated. Like the obesity is not, you know, it's not this disorder. Well, it is a disorder, but you yeah. know, or you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm a, <laughs> I do know. Uh, not your, you're, do you're know. not your mental. It's not issues, a moral failing. It is not. And that's it what I'm saying. Moral. Yeah, it's not a moral failing. It's not just push away from the table. Right. Um, it's not put your kid on a diet every day. Yeah. You know, send your kid 
away from the table when everybody else hasn't like yeah. gets ice cream and it's your time to go. Yes. I mean, that's also a, like, mm. that's why I'm playing nature versus nurture because that's yes. social. I, I know a lot of kids grew up that way where everybody yeah. else was slim, but you're, you're singled out. And that also creates yeah. a big problem too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the science yeah. were around. Yeah. And it, you have to at least yeah. have the conversation. You have yeah. to, you have to at least talk yeah. about it. If you say no, that's okay. The good news is, is that today there actually are options, right? And I didn't even know yeah. that there were bariatric surgeons for children. I mean, I, I didn't even know that. I didn't either. You know, I guess it's, so I'm just glad we, we talked about it and I'm glad that he was, you know, brave enough to, to put himself out there because you never know yeah. what's coming around yeah. the corner. And we did run over a good bit on time today, but it was just such good information. And I think, I hope you guys have all can forgive us for that and enjoy it <laughs> for all that it was, because I'm not yeah. cutting any of it. <laughs> mostly because I don't know how <laughs> it was chock full of information I mean it like wasn't oh, it was. just educational but yeah. it was yeah. like things you can literally apply to your life so yeah yeah for sure it's yeah fascinating yeah well it has been awesome let's do our uh classic sign-offs <laughs> until next time sign-off. so my sign-off is always going to be also la pasta because I, I made it, I heard it in a kid's show and it's just fun. But also just remember that, you know, on the show, we want to educate you so that you feel more empowered to, you know, go and learn uh, and that you can ha- advocate for yourself. But we want you to know you're not alone. It's not your fault. It's not a moral failing. There are biological reasons and science behind this. It is not your fault and you are not alone. You know, so I'm just glad that you're able to come here and, and, and feel a little less alone today and also a pasta from me. What about you, Kat? <laughs> um, uh, so I'm everybody, well, you guys know that I've, I recently moved. And so I unpacked a box today and I found this book that I read called the choice Yeah. by mm. Dr. Um, Egger. Wow. Um, she survived Auschwitz. Um, oh, wow. she's a psychiatrist. Um, so and it just made me think of this, the, what we're doing today. I, I read, I just had to go through it. So really, really quickly, there's this section in the book where she talks about how like when the allies um, freed or liberated um, Auschwitz and the Jews in yeah. Germany. Um, and when this, this um, conditioned helplessness that the, the, prison, the, the prisoners had, they were freed, they ran away, but then they came back to the camp because they just, this learned helplessness. They didn't know what to do. Um, and so that just kind of transforms into this where I, I feel like we, as in the obesity community, we kind of have this learned helplessness where um, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just going to give up. This is, and it's not true. The ideology that has been pounded into your brain um, it's, it's just not true. That, that That's a perception that you've been conditioned to. And now it's time to stand up get a great doctor, get a doctor that listens. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That was great. What about you, Jenny? You know, I always say, and, and it really applies to me uh, today. Uh, it is a marathon and not a sprint. So this, true. Like oof. you can't get away from it. It's just, it's the truth. I, I, I you know, I feel like that just, you know, follows me. Uh, you know, but it's, it is so true. It's something that my grandfather 
always say. And he's like, you know, sweetheart, the race is not given to the swift, but to those that endure. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's your new sign off. That's it right there. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. We will be back next week. And until then, just hasta la pasta. And hasta la pasta. (laughs) See you. See you next week.